Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're upbringing, we're Um, here. We're in a different spot, but we're here. (laughs) New place, same Um, us. Excited to chat with you about uh, kids' challenging behaviors, big feelings, how we can be dismantling conventional discipline every day, whenever we can, to raise a different generation of humans, and to be using our power and privilege for good, not just our power and privilege in the parent-child dynamic of which we have much, right? Power and privilege. (laughs) Using um, our privilege, not just as permission, but um, as a respectful, thoughtful practice. Mm -hmm. And thinking too about our privilege as cis, straight, able-bodied white women. Mm -hmm. What can we be doing here in the home through the daily crap that we have to deal with all day, every day to be dismantling these bigger um, systemic racism things, right? Mm We can teach our kids not by saying, be nice, be respectful, but by being nice and being respectful. We can teach um, kids about diversity, not by just saying, here are these books, look at all these different people, but by saying, you have a different opinion than I do, and that's okay, let's talk about it, right? right? The way we treat our kids is what they learn about themselves and ultimately how to treat others. Yeah. That's the idea behind all of this. We want to support you in that because this is not an easy journey to to undergo, to work against the grain in that way, to say, I'm going to show up a little bit differently mm-hmm. than uh, my neighbor or my sibling or my parents did yeah. or than I used to. It's a lot of personal work. And that's why we value this community at Upbringing so much because we're all in this together. We all got to lean on each other yeah. and support each other and share what we're learning and what we're noticing and what we're feeling um, so that we can all, all, all grow, you know, yeah. so much of what we talk about too is alignment. Yeah. We have these great ideals for our kids, these values. I want them to be like this, 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 I want them to learn this, 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 
But unfortunately, the toolbox we've been given as, as parents is control-based, isn't actually going to help us get to those things, right? It's control, which is consequences. On my terms, now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, timeouts. You're like, I know, I know, I know all those things, right? I, I hold them very I know. dear. We've all been conditioned to use them, to depend on them, to lean yeah. on them. Even if they don't feel so good, right? To teach, right? Yeah. And we don't have to use them. And we're here that so much of these, of these sessions is about giving permission to ourselves, to each other, and we're good. <laughs> Um, that we don't have to use them. We don't have to, to let use those any of those. Yeah. We can be using powers beyond control through our discipline, through our teaching, through the hardest moments with our kids when they won't brush their teeth, when they're sitting on their sibling's face, when they won't do their chores or clean up, when they won't get in the damn car saying mean words to us, oh, when they're so mean, when they're just exploding with big feelings everywhere and we don't know what to do, right? Yeah. These moments that make us uncomfortable, that's our ding ding. Mm-hmm. to lean in when our kids are resisting us, when they're having all these big feelings, that's our chance where the magic happens, that's baby. When, when we get a chance to resist these greater cultural, um, this conditioning, these influences that don't serve us, that we and don't that, believe in. And that tell us like all these challenging behaviors and big feelings are bad, mm-hmm. right? We have to, we're so triggered, I think in the moment. And mm-hmm. what we're trying to do in these talks is to normalize all of these situations, these things that our kids bring to us and the feelings we have around them. So mm-hmm. share what's going on with you on here. Yeah. Send us a little message. What's happening. We've got two DMS mm-hmm. about sleep stuff, regressions and escapees. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get into briefly first got a lot of other DMs we could go through and some stickers that people have sent in, but we're here. You are our priority. So, um, type, uh, let us know what's happening and we will chat about it. Let us know where you're coming from too. We're always so curious where people are tuning in from. We've got a lot, a lot of folks filling in here and I'm just always so curious. Uh, and Mm -hmm. then something else we always offer people to share if they feel comfortable or uh, excited about it is a parenting win and a parenting win, not as in like my kid did what I said, like that can feel like pretty awesome sometimes. (laughs) Yes. But parenting win as in with this practice that we're all cultivating. So a win as in you responded a different way in a situation or your child responded to you differently because of the way you're showing up right now. Mm-hmm. Something that felt uh, like progress, not perfection, not achievement, but just progress. It could even just right? be a moment of recognition and realization that you want to be doing something differently, a moment of awareness mm-hmm. um, that you wanted to show up in a different way. Doesn't even, ha- you haven't even, you don't even need to have shown up a different way. Mm-hmm. Awareness is, is the beginning. It's the start. And if you're here, you're doing the work, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So we had this sleep, uh, memo, um, that said that their nine month old, I think it was, is hitting so many developmental milestones simultaneously and has been waking up for two hours a night to stand and sing to herself and sometimes scream. And this makes for a moody baby the rest of the day. Yeah, my moody parents. Sure. True. Absolutely. Um, those sleep regressions with our babies are, were so hard, yeah. um, namely because we thought of it as a regression. So I just want to mm-hmm. get into that first, like our mindset with all this sleep stuff with our kids is everything. If we think about things as a regression, what, what are we thinking about? We're thinking, gosh, they're going backwards and they were going forwards and now they're going backwards. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we think of a regression being like, they're doing this to me. Right. Which feels so bad. Like we were doing so well. Their performance was great. Or and now not so much or regression, like sleep training worked. And now it's not working. Like my baby's yeah. reneging on the sleep training we did or, or that I'm failing. That we're failing as parents. Yeah. A regression has such a negative kind of binary connotation. So we just want to bust all of that out and say, there are no regressions. It's all just a fluid developmental process. that's going to mm-hmm. ebb and flow over time. 
Your baby isn't going to sleep well from the beginning. And that doesn't mean they're going to sleep well the rest of the time. Yeah. Just want to tell that to you. Yeah. Never going to happen. We get so right. many other um, DMs from people with older kids having um, disturbances in their sleep, yeah. struggling to find sleep, struggling to stay asleep, struggling to stay out of their parents' room and their parents' bed. And yeah. I think a lot of that right now is is happening because of the pandemic, stress. Um, because of stress. Yeah. So I just want to add that in there for parents of older kids too. But the baby thing is just like so normal, so, so natural. Normal. And I think that so much of it, like we said before, is mindset. Can we be looking at this baby that's waking up, singing, screaming, doing what, what she needs as doing what she needs? Like really, babies are guided by their bodies and by their developmental needs. So something's telling this nine month old or eight month old baby to stand up and sing or cry for two hours in the middle of the night. And we have to then say, what are we going to do about this? Mm -hmm. Right? Get community, get a feeling that it's normal, that we're not alone. That's great. And then what are we going to do? Okay. We're going to see to those babies needs, right? Knowing it's not forever knowing, okay, what can we do to support them? What can we do to support ourselves? Can we send our partner in too? What can we do the next day? Can we get our baby another nap? Babies will sleep and get the sleep they need. If we give them the opportunity, just like eating, right? It's an attuned intuitive experience. So, yeah. you know, they might be a little cranky in the morning, put them down for an earlier nap, mm-hmm. put them down for an earlier bedtime. Maybe that'll help. How yeah. can we innovate around this challenge that we're perceiving? Right. Yeah. I think another thing that we can do with babies and kids of any age is if they're struggling to stay awake in the middle of the night, if they're going through a little developmental bump, that's mm-hmm. making sleep difficult. If they're pushing some teeth through, which could be happening with an eight or nine month old also, what can we be doing to help tucker them out a little bit, a little bit extra, maybe regulate their nervous system so that they can sleep well. I think um, those early baby months we're like, Oh, we really just have to basically feed them, relax them, do a little thing, roll them into bed. Maybe they're quote unquote, good sleeper. Maybe they find sleep. Well, they stay asleep. Well, maybe they struggle more, whatever it is. But I think eight or nine months is the perfect time to really make sure that you're nailing a sleep routine if you're not. Mm -hmm. So what is this bedtime kind of culture that we want to be creating, right? Can we start definitely doing a little book time? Can we definitely do a little carry around and say good night to the things in their room? Can we get a little bit of wiggles out Mm -hmm. preemptively, right? Can we sit them on their lap and do some dipping, right? Get some vestibular input, Mm -hmm. help regulate that nervous system a little bit. We do some pressing when we come in, if we come in and we're like, what the fuck is going on? Oh my God. What is standing there being like, ding, ding. Hello. What's our baby needing? Are they lying in their bed, kicking their legs a bunch? Mm -hmm. That's what they're needing to do to regulate their nervous system. We all go through bouts of insomnia Mm -hmm. and that we have regressions, quote unquote, as adults as well. And babies and toddlers and kids are going to have those too. And they need us as their, their loving inner voice. They can say, there's nothing wrong with you. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with this. I'm going to show up the best way I can to support Mm -hmm. you and also meet my own needs as best as possible. Mm -hmm. Right. It's going to be okay. I think it's like the partner that we hope that we have. Are they going to be the one that's like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just go to sleep or what's happening? Oh, this is a drain. You're waking me up too. Or are we going to be the partner that says, you need to watch some Netflix in bed alone. I'll put my earplugs in. Okay. Or you need some extra rubs to feel regulated and relaxed. I'm going to help you what's with What's going on with you lately? Are you under extra stress or what's new? I want to, I want to understand you yeah. right now. So that's the person we are with our baby. That's yeah. the voice that we're giving them eventually. So that when they experience insomnia, they also have that inner voice, but they're not in a panic. They're not in a shame spiral. Any mm-hmm. challenge they have sleep is kind of the number one challenge. Most people have with their babies. And mm-hmm. besides feeding mm-hmm. at the beginning, you get that practice really early on. Yeah. 
And so yeah. I think uh, for an eight or nine month old who's standing up singing and doing the things, I would be listening just like you probably are. Is this an emergency? Is, are they really needing me right now? I'm tired. Or are they just kind of <laughs> dinking around and doing their thing and I'm kind of just like half listening and that's cool. Or they really start screaming, they really need me. Right. right? Can I come in there? Quiet. Hey, you okay? Here, let's try lying down. Take the, the knees out from under them a little. Help them down there a little bit. Help them. Maybe put a little pressure on them. That's a nervous, uh, a nervous system regulator, a little bit of pressure, mm-hmm. little head stroking on the forehead. Okay. Ooh, or, I'm just working you a little. It's or like, maybe they're wanting, they don't want that. They want to be in your arms, get them in your arms, have them lying down, mm-hmm. right? Continue the sleep kind of mm-hmm. ritual that you right. did hopefully before bed. Right. And maybe, and if they're, they're not really having it and they're like, oh, it's 3am, it's time to party. Right. And you say, it's time for bed. I'm going to put you in your bed. I'll be back to check on you in a little bit. Put them in. Tiptoe out, let the whole thing escalate again. That's Come in okay. when you feel ready, yeah. when you feel like you know that sound and you mm-hmm. want to get in there, right? Yeah, and just repeat, rinse and repeat, right? right. And it's it's not forever. That's the best thing about quote unquote regressions is um, they're they're temporary. They're they're a hiccup. <clears throat> they're not an aberration. They're not steps backwards. They're part of the journey. Like we talk about our own parenting journey. It's so easy to think yeah. about these moments with our babies whose needs we're trying to get met or our toddlers or our older kids who we're trying not to mm-hmm. yell and scream at and order around all day, basically as, um, as a staircase being like, fuck, Oh, I three steps back today because I yelled or I slammed the door. Or I took away their privileges instead of just like asking them what was wrong with them and mm-hmm. how they were doing. And it's not steps forward and steps back. And, and same with our baby sleep, same with our kids ability to clean up after themselves, to dress themselves, to do their homework, to be nice to grandma our goal, as always, is to be meeting our kids where they are and to be looking at them, whether it's they're sleeping or socially engaging or having big feelings and or any of these things as the way you're showing up right now is enough. The way you're showing up right now is okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to meet you where you are and try to see to your needs and try to do this thing with you. Because seeing to our kids' needs in the moment is the best way to help them move out of that moment. Mm-hmm. It's not wishing they were out of that moment. It's not pushing them out of that moment. It's meeting the needs in the moment that allows them to move forward, right? right? Um, the, the connected sleep situation, we'll get to all of your questions in a moment, uh, that was related kind of, uh, was based on the, um, post we did today about, um, setting boundaries and how do you set a loving limit mm-hmm. with someone using your presence rather when words don't work, get in bed, get in bed, get no, in bed, you stop to your two and a half year old. Yeah. What, what do you do? How do you use your physical presence without feeling like you're dominating their bodies? Right? So this woman wrote in and said that her two and a half year old has, she's brought them to bed and he wants to run out of the room now. And he thinks it's and a game. He thinks it's kind of a game and she blocks the door with her body, which makes him feel really angry. And then she feels like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm like impinging on his, his freedoms, consent. Maybe he should leave, but she knows he's really tired mm-hmm. and she just struggles with that. Like, where do you set the line? Is that the kind of loving follow through we're talking about? And it absolutely is. You know, I think that this person needs to have the, the conviction that this is the time for bedtime. Okay. I know this child needs rest. So I'm going to do what I need to do in the most connective way I possibly can to help them do that. And as long as she has a kind of a, a routine in place where the two and a half year old knows that they're moving into the room and they do these things, maybe she's gotten all their wiggles out beforehand. So really regulated that nervous system, as Kelty mentioned earlier, doing dips, doing rolls, doing, um, uh, what's it called? Crawling, doing yeah. jumping, getting a little pillow and saying, do you want me to push, push on the pillow on top of you? Eat, 
Uh-huh. Eat, eat. Like, I love that. All those so things that help regulate the nervous system to help the two and a half year old or older kids even just calm down and find sleep more easily in bed, right? All those kids that are like kicking and doing all this wild stuff in bed, it's because they're oftentimes their bodies really actually need to do those things to get off the stress of the day and regulate and balance, find balance mm-hmm. again. So finding a way to get that and then bringing them into the room and saying, this is where we're going to be until we fall asleep. I'm here with you, love. Oh, you're wanting to go to the door. I'm going to stand here and support you. We're going to stay in here and, and we're going to find sleep together. I can't wait to tell you this story. Yeah. I can't wait to have these little ritual points that are predictable that you can know what we're going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And if the, if the two and a half year old gets really mad and just blah, explodes everywhere, that's okay. That's another way to express stress. Mm-hmm. And you're showing them it's a safe place to do that. You're the confident, loving leader. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's easier for you, Hannah, with your kids to kind of hold that limit yeah. a little bit. Um, my kids might be a little bit more similar to your two and a half, which is year old, which is like, I actually won't ever go to sleep. Like I'm never going to do this. I will die on this hill unless you let me out. So if I've sensed this as sort of, um, like kind of a repeating thing where they think it's a, no, or where they think it's a game, I might kind of break that cycle, not by holding a a hard boundary, but by saying, Oh, you want to come out? Let's just see what happens. Let's come out. Mm-hmm. Let's check it. Check it out. Let's see where you're going. What do you need? Let's find out what you're needing. Should we get some water? You just kind of want to do a little loop around where the dog's sleeping. Okay. Kind of just check on the bird feeder. Cool. This is actually a nice fresh start. Mm-hmm. This isn't a failure. This isn't, mm-hmm. oh, you let go on the boundary. Oh, they're just walking all over you. This oh. could be a really cool opportunity to start a little fresh. Even mom brain or parent brain being like, okay, this is my regroup time too. They're taking their little power stroll around the house and I'm taking a couple deep breaths for round two. Right. This is going to be okay. This is where I get to try again and maybe work a little bit harder on innovating. Can I tell you, there's a story that I was really excited to tell you about. Do you know what it's about? Slugs? Yes. It's about slugs. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it's about. Story, yeah. And it's, it's a really funny one. Um, do you want me to pick you up and carry you like a slug to the room? Should we wiggle sluggy styles to the room, right? Never underestimate the power of humor, a little bit of curiosity, planting little seeds instead of it's time for bed. Come on. It's time for bed, right? The broken broken record record. that we so easily turn into when we're like child must sleep, go to room, stay creativity, patience gone, right? This is, it's the hardest time of day to be leaning into this, this skill set to innovate, but the innovate step of our resist approach is the best step. We don't have it right here. Like we usually do in our other office. Mm -hmm. But so when our kids are resisting us, they want to get out of their room at bedtime or they won't pick up their shoes or they won't get dressed or get in the car or any of these things. Yeah. We respect their, their right to have their own opinion, be their own person. We work the environment. If we can, we think about what we can be doing, center ourselves. We empathize. You want to leave the room. Right. So this person, Joanna, can I cut in right here? It is is uh, how do I get my kids to transition? Today was a hard parenting day. The baby's sick. The big boys were not listening. I lost my temper, immediately apologized, but how do I get them to transition? Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is what we run the resist approach, right? Yeah. We think about it, right? We first give ourselves grace, right? That we maybe yeah. um, struggled to, to deal with it in the moment. And then we think, okay, what's next time? That's the beautiful thing in parenting. There's always a next time. There's always so many more transitions that are going to happen. Yeah. So how are we going to show up? What are we going to think about ahead of time? What can mm-hmm. we prepare? How can we engage with our kids in a way that's going to support them yeah, through that transition? So that's planting seeds earlier the night before, 
you know, for the next bedtime or that next departure the next morning. Mm-hmm. Hey, what were you going to wear? <clears throat> what's the song we're going to play in the car? Or what's the book we're going to read for bedtime? Mm-hmm. We're planting little seeds for little anchor points that make sense that prepare them a little bit that seem engaging. We don't have to kind of like make a big party out of all of it, but we can be preparing them that way. Right. And then in the morning we can engage with them and invite them to those transitions. I think oftentimes the transitions we do are like, it's time to go Mm -hmm. put on your pants, time for bed, go into the bathroom, clean up those things instead of the other room. Let's walk into the bathroom or, Oh my gosh, let's do a dance, getting dressed dance party. Come on, let's go. Mm -hmm. Or, Oh my gosh, who's going to choose the first song in the car? First one out the door, you know, like how can we engage them through connection? Our kids do so much better with, with connection and invitation, right? Mm -hmm. Than through, control, right? Through information, even their kids know that's the amazing thing with transitions is they're usually routine enough that kids already know. So don't spend your time wasting um, on information on telling them what's going to happen and why Mm -hmm. that just increases their anxiety very often. I think how do we connect? We feel like we need to see the bodies moving, whether towards bedtime or out the door to transition. And so we're saying the words and hoping they do it. And at a certain point, we have to keep showing them that it's going to happen. With our presence, we're ushering them towards the bedroom. Loving. I'm putting my purse on and my coat, and I'm right. unlocking the door, and I'm getting, I'm getting all the socks out of the 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 bin, the drawer, whatever it is, and picking up all the shoes right. that they won't fucking put on, right. taking them, them in, the a, in a tote bag. We're moving. Come on, right. we're going. Right? They couldn't do the things we needed. Those don't have to be <clears> obstacles. <throat> Right. We don't have to make those things obstacles. Mm-hmm. They can go out in a short shorts and without a shirt. I will grab the other stuff. And with older kids too, I think we can connect with them after in a circle back that's in mm-hmm. our trust step and say, Hey, so I've noticed mm-hmm. these mornings or this school, whatever, or it's been, a little, tricky. Tricky. It's been a little hard for us. What, a two and a half year old, you can what, totally circle back. What's on. going on with you? What are you needing? Mm-hmm. How can I help you? Cause I got, I got a little frustrated. I wasn't sure how to help you. And I'm so sorry that happened. Mm-hmm. What can I do to help you next time? What do you need in the morning from me? Mm-hmm. Some little kids we might know, they need more connection from us. So we need to get our asses up earlier, get dressed if we can, mm-hmm. and support them instead of just yelling from our room because we're getting ready at the same time, right? Yeah. But older kids, they can they can maybe level with us a little. They can say, I want to play a certain amount of time on my game, whatever, or I want to whatever. And then yeah. we can say, oh, great, okay. And they can participate and collaborate in this yeah. with us. I think so much of this is our tone with bedtime, with transitions, with getting our kids to cooperate and participate. And I think that it's something that we're sensitive to because we're sensitive people and our kids are sensitive. And it's something we've noticed over time and that we've worked with folks coaching so much is the tone, the way we convey this information, these transitions coming up is everything. A sensitive kid or a spirited kid who's just like ready to ready to roll here is not going to respond well to, Hey, come on, let's go. Hey, let's go. The nagging presence, the anxiety that's building in us. So what can we be doing to kind of relax ourselves to instead of saying it's time to go say, what were you going to bring in the car? Or so for bedtime tonight, or don't even mention it. So when we're cuddled reading, I'm so excited. Thing. Oh, I can't wait to whatever. Or do you want to help me pull down the blinds? Right. All the, every time you want to say it's time for bed or it's time to go stop and try to say something else right. about or con- that or connect with what they're doing mm-hmm. in the moment. I think oftentimes transitions are because kids are in flow doing something else that mm-hmm. they find really fascinating and don't like to be taken away from it. And so I think finding a way to connect and say, I see you doing that Lego. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I see you watching that show. I see you, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, ca- I care about that. I want to know and understand because when kids feel connected, they're much more willing to collaborate than when they feel attacked. Right. Yeah. Even lovingly. It connects so much to this story we just did and the post we did earlier about alternatives to saying no thank you to testing toddlers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think it's, it's really about putting in a little bit of respectful effort in connecting. Do you have a second? And instead of saying, Hey, I'm dominating you, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm the boss here. It's so easy for us to click into that dictator mode. And it does not have to be that way, right? We're, we're working on shattering it's that hierarchy. Show. Hey, we're, you right? do this, you do that. <clears throat> we um, want, come we, on, click in. We want our homes to, to be a beautiful egalitarian democracy, right? We're still in charge. We're still responsible, but we treat people in a way that inspires them to work with us. Right. Right. And who also uh, raises them in a way that they're going to treat other people with that same respect when they have power and privilege as white people or as other people uh, in power. I think that they need to know that it's not all about them, that they need to invite people or connect with people respectfully before they demand something or ask something. Yeah. It's so easy to just be sleepwalking through these moments and thinking, just trying to survive the day. I'm just trying to get through the day. And some days that's what we're doing. And then we circle back and apologize for all the shit we did. And that's okay. That's okay too. But in other moments we can just pause and, and see all of these opportunities around us. Just every day is chock full of opportunities to be growing up ourselves, to be raising these little people and realizing that the way we teach is what our kids learn. Yes, they learn, don't bop your brother, that's poisonous, don't go in the road, all of these, you know, do your homework. They learn those things too, but the way we connect about it, the way we talk about it, the way we show power is what they learn. The way we're in relationship with them is how they learn to be in relationship with others. It's what they learn to believe about themselves and other people. It's a lot, not to add pressure, but just when we can, chill out a little. You know, relax a little. Someone said hi from the Upper Peninsula, uh, Mm -hmm. Michigan. Yes, a mom of seven and a half and nearly three-year-old boys. We struggle greatly with that age gap. So challenging. Yeah. Someone else wrote about a challenging age gap today. I wanted to say it was like... You should pull up seven and a half and two and a half. Yeah. And that it's been really tricky because the older kid really has high energy and is highly sensitive and just kind of pummels the younger one and they get into these kind of battles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really tricky and really triggering, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, we get it. We, we feel that. It's so challenging. How to meet both kids' needs. How to be that that uh, confident, calm mediator rather than the... Um, you know, police, the police, judge, jury, referee, yeah. all the things. Right. How do we, how do we help say, Hey, do you think they understand when you scream at them that way? Hey, what is it that you're needing? Can I support you? You know, can I, t- can you tell it to them? And then also just letting other things go and not feeling like it's our duty every single moment to keep them happy. I think this one parent who DM'd us has a baby and oftentimes she just cannot prevent that was somebody else who has a six and three oh, is that another baby? One? Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And she just can't prevent those siblings from fighting. And what we want to say is that's okay. Mm-hmm. That sibling conflict is not inherently wrong. It's not inherently um, detrimental, right? It's actually incredibly valuable. And as long as they're not getting pummeled or there isn't like a persistent uh, cycle of like bullying or something going on, it's just natural and normal. And you can always process with your kids later. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when you can get in there with some, some patience, with some, with a deep breath, right. You can help them understand each other's needs. That's all a sibling struggle is just like any other conflict we have mm-hmm. interpersonally with another person. It's just mm-hmm. two different needs that are, have yet to be met, right. And communicated. Mm-hmm. And that's, those are the skills we're going to And that looks like kids. a WWF wrestling match at their age. <laughs> right. That looks like the Jerry Springer show at their age. Yeah. And that's okay. <clears throat> it's really just two needs not being met and not being communicated mm-hmm. in the normal adult way that we're conditioned to, to expect from tiny half brain people. 
Right. And yeah. um, it's kind of piggybacks on Yeah, too. Lark Rising, you said, would love any tips about responding to lots of possessive and withholding behavior from mm-hmm. six-year-old brother to two-year-old brother. Mm-hmm. Big bro has his own space and special things, but the issue extends to shared toys even. Yeah, I mean... Possessive behavior, um, withholding behavior, that's all stress behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, it can also be just like natural, natural sharing, stuff. sharing stuff where you're figuring out power dynamics. That's how you're getting to know each other and needs and, and all those sorts of stuff. But it's also just, if your older son is just doing it more recently, it could just be stress behavior. Yeah. I get way more stingy, like with my cookies and like, and <laughs> yeah, with my, vouch for that. yeah, with my lip gloss and stuff yeah. when I'm stressed out, yeah, so like I'm just in like me mode. If there's you know? like a new back to school thing going on, if there are any other impending things, like all of those things contribute, but just like any, like we're talking about the seven and a half and two and a half year old Mm -hmm. conflict. We're talking about the the seven and three year old conflict. We're talking about the six and three year old conflict that we got DM'd. All of this conflict is okay. So our number one job is always to try to, to the best of our abilities, keep everyone physically safe. Right. Right. We can't always do it. Sometimes we come in after the three stooges thing went down and we got to pick up the pieces a little and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the time, and through this whole process, our job is sensitive support staff, mm-hmm. right? We don't have to put any judgment. We don't have to put any shame, any blame, any punishment. It's not who did what and why. It's not grill fest time. It's, whoa, how's everyone doing in here? I hear some yelling. Okay, I'm going to help you guys separate. Are you okay? Are you, how you mm-hmm. doing? Okay, let's, maybe we need to take a break. How's everyone doing? Whoever seems the most likely to be able to take some space, right. get them out of there. Right. I think it's so easy for us in the moment to be hijacked by the situation. We go in a fear spiral about what does this mean about the relationship? Or I'm never going to get a moment to myself. I'm never going to get to work. Or why does the older one keep doing this to the younger one? Or why does the younger one keep grabbing the older one's things? We, we get in our heads about it. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can just stay in the single track of here to support, I'm here to serve. I'm here to support. I'm here to serve. Right. Well, in, in this situation, it seems like it's like the six-year-old is like just causing harm to the, the two and a half-year-old. Like, why would you just be stingy with your toys? Why would you just be so controlling? Mm-hmm. That seems even more unnecessary than something particularly happening. You're like, he has his own toys in his own room. Why is he doing this? Mm-hmm. But he's just doing it because he needs to do it. And you can show up the same way you would with anything else and yeah. just say, you're wanting to keep that right now. Okay. That's a shared toy. So when you're done with it, Give it back to your brother, please. So you're going to need to wait two and a half year old, which is a really good skill to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Or we just welcome the big feelings. Mm -hmm. You wanted that and he's not done with it yet. It's so hard to want something when someone's got it. There's this book at the library I've been really wanting for a long time, not to center ourselves too much. But but what what can you do while you're waiting? What can we find for you? Mm -hmm. We're normalizing it, right? And we could add humor. He's wanting that. What's he going to do with it? Is he going to put it under his shirt? Is he going to wear it like as a hat? Is he going to, and that might even soften the older one up to be like, maybe I'll play with my brother with this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't have to live in literal land in like your turn, your turn, your turn, right, wrong, good, bad land. We can live in middle fluid. Everyone's doing what land, they need. Everyone's trying to flow and be cool. Everyone yeah. It's going to be okay. Right. All right. He's got it. You want it. You're trying to kill him. I'm going to help you stop going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Right. Someone said, when trying to sync up with my four-year-old about how he's feeling, he either yells over me or tells me to stop talking or go away. Maybe best to just stay near and support without spoken words. Yes. Sounds like your child uh, is feeling a little sensitive in certain moments and needing a little space and saying, I'm going to tell you what I need and don't need mom. And it's you t- 
telling me what the reality of the situation is, which maybe I already know, or maybe I'm too upset to absorb right now, mm-hmm. right? When our kids are really upset, we never go to sync up. We go back to empathize. Mm-hmm. So in the resist approach, we get back to the validation and the securing element of our mm-hmm. presence. But even before we give them information for kids who aren't even used to the resist approach or validating feelings, yeah. even that can become inflammatory. A lot of people write in being like, so I've changed my attack. Now, when my kid is having big feelings and is upset and has done something, I say, what, how are you doing? What are you needing? What do you want? And they're just like, get out of here. Stop talking to me. Right. I'm experiencing something right now. Yeah. And you're kind of centering yourself, mom. Yeah. Or I'm like, feeling grilled by mm-hmm. your presence and persistence yeah. and wanting to know something from me mm-hmm. and or think, tell me something. Yeah. yeah. And I think that in those moments, if our kids are showing us, they're feeling a little sensitive about talking about what happened or about debriefing or about expressing their feelings. So often we're like, no, but tell me how you're feeling right now. But tell me what you were going through then. Mm-hmm. Why? Or let me how? explain why this was so bad and why you shouldn't have done that or why yeah. we need to do it a different time. And they're like, cannot compute. They're, they're not no, ready yet. And happening. they just need us to just be like, hmm. that, was, that was a struggle. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be here. Let me know if you want to talk about it or, or just, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that was tricky. Just try to make a face that says, I love you. It's going to be okay. Instead of like, I'm terrified. I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. I'm frustrated. Yeah. This is all about me. But this is where we go into nonverbal communication mm-hmm. land, which yeah. especially when our kids are stressed, I think oftentimes, especially with sensitive kids, we think, well, they're not screaming anymore, so they must be fine. Mm-hmm. But with sensitive kids, not so. A lot going right. on in there. A lot going on still in the body, mm-hmm. right? Processing stuff takes lots of time, not just to ramp up, that took two days to explode, mm-hmm. but also to come down. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tell us what they need and when they're ready to talk. So oftentimes I will say that with my daughter who's hiding under the covers and kicking her feet if I come in her room and making animal sounds. And I say, mm-hmm. you need some space and time. I'm so glad you're taking it. I'm here whenever you want to connect. I'm here anytime. Mm-hmm. And then I just go do my thing and I show, like, project that secure, right? Confident. I'm in control of all of this. The way she's feeling is so normal and natural. We're going to connect when she's ready, mm-hmm. right? And then maybe later I'll check in and be like, oh, that's tough today. I love you so much. And it's usually when she's already in a moment where she's got her arms around me, yeah. already in a moment where she's eating something she loves. Basically already in a moment when we think, to talk about that thing that earlier. <laughs> yeah. Why did I bring that shitty thing up? It's gonna, all good now. She obviously loves me. We're good. Yeah. Right? No, that thing still happened. And we can all learn and process it together. That's I the power that. of the circle back. Yeah. We used to only get grill backs or yeah. pretend it didn't happen. Swim under the rug. The rug. Right. Oh, just la la la. The groundhog day. We'll deal with it next time it comes up because it's going to come up again because <laughs> we're not fucking talking about it. Right? So that's the power of the circle back is saying, oh my God, connective moment. I just I'm gonna be, to I'm gonna be brave. I just wanted to say I love you. And it was hard earlier today. Mm-hmm. And then just wait. Or think, what can I apologize for? I love starting my circle backs with an apology. And I usually have something to apologize for. So <laughs> just take a couple seconds and think about it. I'm sure you can think of something too. Even if it's as generic as I'm so sorry about earlier. If so, you if you can't think of something I'm more so, specific I'm, to apologize for. I'm so sorry we struggled earlier. Mm-hmm. We. Yeah. Isn't that a nice, it's like a little tenderizing moment. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids aren't used to their parents apologizing and they're like, what? What? Say what? We, we, you, you're sorry for something about me. Mm -hmm. You're not demanding an apology from me to you. 
right? or someone else it can take a little while for them to get used to it. Yeah. But the more we practice, the more comfortable we get, the more comfortable they get. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone said, this makes so much sense. I think about the sleep thing. And they said, my three and five year old boys always want to spin in my desk chair before bedtime. And now I see they need it. Oh, I love that. Yes. They got to spin their heads. They've got to get that, um, totally blanking on the term. Uh, what's the, the term? Head. It's not the vestibular, vestibular input. <laughs> the twisting, the flipping, the turning. Mm-hmm. Books need that. We yeah. all need that. And some think, of us, I don't need that. I'm actually very sensitive to vestibular input. Uh-huh. I get seasick and uh, you know, topsy turvy. But a lot but of kids seek you. that out. Um, but, <laughs> no, but a lot of kids seek that out. But, yeah. And and we can put names to that. Yeah. Like basically all the stuff our kids do before bed, where we're like, you're delaying. You are testing manipulative tactics is a tactic yeah. or trying to get out the door or doing whatever. Why are they hanging upside down? Why are they climbing on the furniture? They're doing this to drive oh. me crazy. If we can just look at everything our kids are doing as seeking to meet a developmental need, um, then we're leaning into it. We're connected to it. We're saying they're walking in circles and driving me crazy because they need to. Right. We're saying they're hanging upside down on this thing. I don't want them to we pause for a second. Um, we're saying basically they're, they're climbing because their bodies need to climb. Maybe mm-hmm. we can usher them over to the climbing gym instead of my favorite couch, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What do we get? What do we Oh have? my gosh. So many good things. And I don't know if we're going to be able to, to do it. Can I phone my your battery? <laughs> Thanks for charging up today. Someone said, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. Uh, someone else said, gosh, that's such a good point. We're very behind. Oh yes. So easy. I hate it. Um, we can do a couple more. Someone said, let's see my almost five-year-old today wanted to stay in the car. After we got home, she asked me to leave. And I said, I would stay until she's ready to leave. She proceeded to go into the back of the minivan and peed in the cup holder. What the heck? Hmm. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Did you talk to her about it? Yeah. How was this? When she said about what it? happened? You were probably shocked in the moment. That takes some, some like precision skill. Right. Wow. Yeah. Like that's some real skill. What was she needing? Maybe she was moment. just hanging out and really just wanted to hang out and then just had to go to the bathroom. Five or maybe it was an experimental yeah, thing. Yeah. What happens when she goes into the house? What could she be delaying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm very intrigued. Me too. Betty, you said, my four-year-old son's been picking up a lot of new expressions from school and saying, shut up, and I don't like you. I hate you. Ugh, I'm going to kill you to me when he is angry, or I say no to something he wants and something even just for fun. And I often find myself triggered, even though I know I'm supposed to translate, circle back, and model. I find myself having to correct him and point out that it doesn't feel good when he says those things. I feel at a loss for how to best respond in a way that gets to his underlying need, but also addresses that there are less hurtful ways to express his needs. Yeah. Yeah. I think your son knows that there are less hurtful ways to express his needs, but he can't, he can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that Ross Green always says kids do well when they can, and everyone prefers to do well. We all prefer to do well. If I were in an altercation with my partner or with you, Hannah, and I was saying quote unquote hateful things or using mean words, if they just focused on, but don't say that to me, or when you say that way, it makes me feel this way. Or, oh, if you could just be nicer, we could get farther in this conversation. I think that would ramp me up. That does ramp me up. That's yeah, so it, hard. It invalidates you. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it centers their needs. It's, it's, it's really difficult. But instead of just saying, okay, this is how you're showing up. What's going on, right? Yeah. 
But I think that so much about this is fear at the, at the base of this. And I think conditioned fear, the trigger reflex we feel for when we said those things or felt those things and we're shut down by parents as, as kids, right? Mm -hmm. So we're having those somatic experiences where we're like, Oh God, this feels wrong. Mm -hmm. And then we're having the cognitive, not the body experience from our previous experiences, but the, the cognitive experience of saying, I know this is wrong and I'm worried what this is going to mean. I don't want him to say to friends. I don't want him to say this to my parents. Right. I don't want him to be a mean person, whatever the things right. are. And someone said that here, they said that their um, three-year-olds calling them stupid and it's wearing them down. How do they positively help him through this phase? It feels like they're getting walked on and I'm worried he's going to re treat women like shit. Oh, yeah. that's a huge one. Yeah. <laughs> the peeing in the cups. She said it was an accident. An accident. <laughs> I love that. The most precise peeing accident of all time. I love it. Um, oh my gosh. Let's just kind of try to wrap this up on our kids' yeah. freedom to speak, right? Check out our freedoms model. There are, there are 10 freedoms that we try to extend to our kids. Basically all these realms of their lives that we tend to over dominate, over control that are theirs and that we can try to sensitively show up just like this parent is trying to do. They're trying to get to the underlying need right? Instead of just look at the behavior and hear the words, they're trying to connect to what they're experiencing and going on. And it's hard to look past those, right? Those shiny, bright waves on the surface, those splashy, mean words, those big feelings, those challenging behaviors. That's what we've been conditioned and trained to just look at and just focus on and just correct to teach. And everything that we're working on doing is putting our little goggles on and going underneath the surface to connect person to person and to help build our kids awareness of why they're saying it, why they're doing it, what they're needing so that they can change those things and con connect and, and love themselves in the process. I think yeah. connecting to ourselves as young kids is such a great way to access that, to give our, our kids more credit and compassion. Um, and that's going on in the comments here. Um, the, the woman whose five-year-old daughter peed in the back of her car, she said, I'm not really sure what was really up. I need to ask more. And then um, a girl raising men said, um, I've been remembering an experience I had when I was five. I just got my new kids on the block PJs after bath. And I was sitting on the edge of the, the sill, I think the still full tub. And my mom told me not to. So I decided to see what would happen if not just, if I just fell in the tub. So I did, I didn't do it to be mean or manipulative, but I was honestly curious. I try to remind myself of that experience when my kids do what the fuck things. I yeah. love that. I love that. Can you, can we all tap into that? That time we said that hurtful thing, that time we did that weird kind of awkward thing that really pissed. I remember pouring water off the top of my bunk bed onto my dad's head. I was on the bottom bunk. He's reading to us once. And I don't know what came over me. I, I'm like, I was like the like most upholder child, but I was yeah. just had this wily thing going on and I didn't <laughs> like what he was reading. And I couldn't say for some reason, uh, can we change it up? Mm -hmm. But I just decided to pour a little water on his head. <laughs> like we all go through those things and we have to put our, put our place in our kids, uh, position and say, gosh, can we afford them the same compassion and humor mm -hmm. and grace that we wish we had had in those moments, right? Yeah. When we were little kids, right? Yeah. Can we restart this? Do we not, do we need to perpetuate this legacy, right? Of yeah. judgment and punishment and um, distrust, censorship. Right? Yeah. Um, just, yeah, to wrap up the free to speak yeah. stuff, our kids have the right to say whatever they want. Yeah. Right? Whatever they want. I know that sounds so radical. We're probably losing a lot of listeners right now. That's okay. <laughs> no, you're part of this community because you believe it too. Mm -hmm. And it's hard in practice. It's hard to weather those words, yeah. those mean words, to look beneath them for what's going on. 
to think this is a developmentally normal expression for this five-year-old or eight-year-old or 12-year-old or 18-year-old, right? When they were a baby, they cried. When they were a year old, they just kind of wigged out. When they were two years old, they melted down in a tantrum. When they were three, they started whining a little more. When they were four, they would say no. When they were five and six, they started eye rolling. That, that sounds teenagery, but our daughter started eye rolling. Oh when they're seven, they run off and slam doors, right? These are developmentally normal, age perfect expressions of stress and struggle yeah. that we cannot focus on. We have to keep setting those things aside and saying, how are you? How you doing? What's mm-hmm. going on? Basically all the things that we want when we're stressed and we're mean and we're rude and we're messing stuff up and being mean to the people we love most. We all do it, right? Absolutely. Someone said, I explained to my two-year-old that a kid we just met who was yelling at my kid at the playground was having big feelings and that's okay. And then today she had a big reaction about something and I commented that she had big feelings. And then she used the kid's name and told me X had big feelings. It was interesting how impactful that was for her to understand that she could relate to other kids. Yeah. That we all have that. Someone said parenting win here. My four and a half year old said I was having a grumpy morning and asked if I had gotten my rest. Oh, that's good. Connecting that. Talking about needs, baby. Yeah. What did you need? You're, you're feeling this. I'm seeing some grumpiness. Is it because you need sleep? Is it because you need a hug? Is it because you need food? What do you need? Everything we do is to meet our needs and the needs are typically security beyond hunger, meeting hunger needs, meeting shelter. The shelter is a form of security also. Security is number one, and that's what our kids do for everything, is to meet their body's security needs or to meet their relational security needs between them and us. Someone said, I'm at a complete loss with my six-year-old. He never listens. He always does what I tell him not to do, almost faster after I tell him not to. I'm so afraid his younger brother and sister are going to copy this. I do think sometimes it is curiosity, like you're saying, but also he resists everything. And I mean, that, that is how we begin all of our conversations here is saying resistance is beautiful. Our resist approach talks about how critical that resistant nature is. That's why we support parents of spirited and sensitive kids mm-hmm. saying we need to honor and respect and nurture their sensitivity and spiritedness, not parent it out of them, not discipline it out of them. Mm-hmm. We want to preserve those things, that inner wisdom and authority that tells them to resist right now, because that's the the same inner wisdom and authority, that same spark that's going to see them through in high school and college in their job to protect themselves and others. As long as it's nurtured, we got to work with it, not against it. That's the goal. Yeah. Keep reflecting those needs, especially in front of those other siblings. If you're worried about the modeling, right. Um, and check out our, we have a a mini guide on listening, not listening. Mm -hmm. Um, so check out spirited kids, a free download Mm -hmm. Yeah, on Instagram here. So check that out. But I think I wanted to also touch on last. We might power out right now. Can I just be like, (laughs) that'll be bad. We'll probably lose the lives. We should probably, yeah. But, um, I think a lot of, a lot of us, uh, progressive parents are worried about, especially our sons. God, if they're saying these words and doing these things and being rude, are they going to disrespect women this way? And that makes us want to crack down even harder right now. You can't say that. You can't be like that. You can't talk to me like this. I'm your mother. You can't talk to other girls like we that. We see them that like the man already, right? right? That makes you a douche. That makes yeah. you disrespectful. That makes you racist. You cannot be talking this way. And it's it's an illusion. And it's disempowering our sons. And it's undermining the, their skill building in these important realms that we could be supporting instead. So instead of punishing and censoring and policing and judging our sons out of a very natural fear 
um, the person they can become that we see in politics and the news and all these places. We have to lean in with the skills we do have and that we're building and growing slowly to love and connect themselves, them back to themselves. Why were you doing that? What were you thinking? What was going on for you? What were you needing? The root cause of their behaviors. Otherwise they'll never know what their root causes are and they'll never be able to understand other people's needs. That's actually how to raise good men is to not say, do this, be like this, don't be like this, don't do this. But to say, I'm going to help you connect to yourself, not in a selfish, entitled, privileged way, but to understand yourself, to build soft skills so you can move into the world with those same skills to respect, to empathize, to be compassionate, to problem solve through struggle, to, but to it, know that other people struggle. It becomes with the, be, begins with the self. Self-awareness yeah. becomes outer awareness. Self-love becomes outer love. Yeah. Self-motivation becomes outer motivation. Self-understanding, outer understanding, right? Self-respect, outer respect. It all begins with the self. And so that's the investment we're making and inviting you to trust in, right? Mm -hmm. To give you permission to lean into um, when when the stakes seem really high, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. This was so fun. We love you all. Thanks for all your contributions and all the things. It was great. Yeah. Um, we will see you again next Thursday. This will be live on the podcast Monday. Um, yes. That's all we got. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye.